burglaries, false alarms, and mysterious phone calls, all when the children are asleep. Welcome back to Don't Slam Your Podcast. Returning to the podcast today from the Series 2 episode Skeleton in the Cupboard Review, I'm joined by Chris, who is here to discuss when the children are asleep. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, JD. I'm very well. How are you today? Really well, thank you. Uh, how have you been? It's, it's been Christmas since we last spoke and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it's been, uh, it seems like a year away since I did the Skeleton in the Closet and uh, it's great to be back. Review amazing, amazing episode. <laughs> Absolutely. And now we're, we're recording this episode just as I released Love and Marriage, the series one episode review recently and Dirty Rolling's coming up. So it's very much on the release now the podcast and thanks to everyone who's listened so far i've already had two five-star reviews on apple which is great and a load of five-star ratings so people really seem to be enjoying this podcast and i'm enjoying recording it and meeting people and having these amazing reviews about this amazing series and and why it deserves more credit it's great it's great to actually give it some light and, and limelight for once because i think for years this this series has been forgotten and it deserves that kind of spotlight. And I think it's great that there's so many people that are coming around who are passionate about it, coming to chat about it, and then people listening to it as well that, that love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get going then. We are on the second episode of Series 3. This is When the Children Are Asleep. Episode 2 is titled When the Children Are Asleep, which is uh, taken from a song from Carousel by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Uh, and this is the first of the uh, vertical plots I was talking about concerning the next-door neighbours, the Grimeses. And like a lot of 2.4 episodes, its, it's, it's starting point uh, begins with something that happened in real life. We were ourselves, uh, popped outside one day and saw some people who looked rather suspicious loading a television into a car from a house next door to us. And uh, we spent a lot of time discussing whether we ought to call the police or not, which formed the basis for a lot of the early dialogue here. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good episode. And one of the uh, interesting things about the actual shooting was um, Bill and Ben uh, go through the hedge and into uh, the Grimes' next door garden. And unusually, we would usually uh, film this kind of thing uh, outside on location at the location house, but... On this occasion, um, because it was so uh, complicated and, and various things had happened, they, they were breaking into windows and all sorts of things, we actually built the exterior of the house and the exterior of next door's house in a studio at Television Centre uh, with a black background. So this actually isn't at night time at all on location, but it's, it's during the day uh, in a blacked out studio at, at TV Centre. But... I think you'll you'll find that it, it matches perfectly and you would never know that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed. Here it is, episode two. I think this is an episode which could it's the closest we've got to a, a two-hander or a bottle episode, um, which I really like. I like the fact that it's mostly Bill and Ben, with obviously some other characters come in, but very briefly, it's all about them and it's mostly in one in the location of the house, which is always I love those kind of episodes, like One from the Grave did it, and I think Hancock did it as well. So it's it's pretty amazing. It's great. I think this is this episode you really get a sense of Ben and Bill's relationship, like their struggles, how much they love each other, and it's just great. This like two hander, and I, th- and I was thinking about this. I was thinking it's really interesting having, although I love um, Jenny and uh, John and Jenny, obviously David and Jenny rather, and um, it's great to see them 
with these like two handers, double handers. I think it's really interesting. And obviously one foot in the grave do it very well when it's just um, when, when they're in bed, for example, is it timeless time in one yeah. foot in the grave? Well, and, in bed and he steps on a, a rotting hedgehog, I think that's the episode. Isn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, like, Gross images of one foot in the grave. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it does it really, really well. And I think it kind of gives you a chance to kind of really see a lot of Bill and Ben because they've got that extra airtime and stuff. So you get a lot of depth and you get a lot of exploration of their character and stuff. So yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And I think as well that they could have even gone further and perhaps done one of these once every series, maybe, or once every couple of series. Because I know one foot in the grave, it's quite a theme that into it. They do it quite a few times as rearranging yeah. the dust. Yeah. Um, and there's also Timeless Time, of course, which, again, is quite a, a sad episode as well for One Foot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think they could perhaps do more um, of, of Bill and Ben. I would like to have seen more of that because I think there's a lot of potential there. <laughs> I'll tell you, sitcom Stephen said in our second episode that there could have been a two-hander between Ben and Christine going out on a job. And actually, that's yeah, something yeah. I'd love to have seen because it would have been interesting to see them, a whole episode of them at work because you hear about all these weird things they get up to and you see them from time to time but to just have a full day of it is it would have been funny but we've also got our imaginations as well that's true yeah you could perhaps have uh, bill porter with tina <laughs> oh, God, yes. can you imagine <laughs> yes that would be absolutely com- absolute comedy gold it'd be more of those images of bill killing yeah. her like in women on the verge of a nervous breakdown <laughs> and the psycho <laughs> yes so this episode as we say it's a close to a two-hander bill and ben in at night um, and they think that the Grimes next door have been burgled, and it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a caper, bit of a farce, and starts off very normally. We've got food on the table in the and in, in the kit in the food on the table, um, all wrapped up in cling film, and Ben's playing Ninja Badger, and it's quite funny when he says, you know, I I told um, David that it could affect his brain cells if he wasn't careful. <laughs> And then he says, oh, Ninja Badger being sliced in half by the Whirling Dervish. Now, I just I can just imagine 90s video games like the ones, you know, like Mega Drive or don't quite know what console they've got. No, they were. They were amazing, weren't they? I can just envision Ninja Badgers getting sliced in half by Whirling Dervish characters. I think that would be amazing. It's brilliant. I want. I want to play Ninja Badger. I really do. After watching Two Point Four Children, get addicted. <laughs> you, it'll. 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 it'll um, It'll uh, affect your brain. <laughs> I'll start playing the microwave. <laughs> yes. So we have a lot of media figures reference in this episode. And I like yeah. when Bill says, you know, Peter Snow had to put his toys down at quarter past 11. It's only yeah. fair. Now, that's a really clever joke. Do you know who Peter Snow is? That's the thing you see. I was watching this. I watched this about half an hour ago before this. And there's a lot of references that I don't actually get. Um, and I've always liked that about 2.4 children, particularly in, I think, I think I noticed around season six onwards, they stopped doing a lot of references. Um, a lot of the jokes up to season six, they were referring to actual real people. And if you notice after season six onwards, you find that's not the case. That kind of angle gets taken out, I think, consciously. Um, but I kind of like the fact there's references that I don't really know much about. It gives it like a nut that you need to crack open to find extra stuff or a bit of digging and i think it makes it more interesting that way so yeah i don't actually have a clue who peter snow is i'll be honest <laughs> okay so he was the first newsnight presenter he was presented newsnight right. for okay. first 17 years from 1980 to 97 what i like about that joke is the fact that she says you know he has to put his toys away to call past 11 now i checked bbc2 for tonight um panorama ends about 25 past 11 so back in the 90s it will might have ended at quarter past 11. So actually, that's quite a good joke saying, well, he has to finish Newsnight at that time, so you have to put Ninja Badger down. 
That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I noticed another observation from this episode as well. And it's, um, he says, when they're staying up late, I think it's a little bit, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but later on in the episode, he's saying, oh, ITV, um, we'll watch ITV, it's the, it's the only one that's still going or something that's still on. It just shows you how different it was back then when there was only four channels and still ITV that was still in broadcasting. Because in the world now, you know, we're watching Netflix 24-7, we're watching programs 24-7, but back then, only one channel's still on and it's like 2am it's very prophetic a lot of the things in this episode about how where we about where um looking back now as in 2021 so bill reads a postcard from the grimes and it's mainly addressed to ben because they still harbor resentment of the killing the dog but bill still (laughs) maintains that it wasn't her fault that farty died um so it's holiday greetings from the young jung young fru oh gosh i mean that's a terrible um, I think it's good. Thank you. Um, I did watch this twice today. Um, I just, I, I'm just not always good with um, accents. The shape of the distance of the Von Trapp family fleeing back to the Nazis. You know, she's very good with her impression of Mrs. Grimes, and it is, yeah. You know, postcards are, are really. Do people send postcards now? I remember we did a little bit in the noughties, but it's a bit different yeah. now. It's been nostalgia, and I also noticed with the Von Trapp as well um, in the British Empire, Carol. Uh, I think that's the guy that she goes off with to Germany. When the time yeah. is up in season five, he's, he's a bomb trap as well. So I noticed a nice little link, but I don't know if it's the same person. <laughs> yes. Boy, the sound, sound of music. It's Miracle Shinsei, Julie Andrews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get a letter off Jenny um, saying, Dear Mother, unfortunately, I can't seem to get into the kitchen to check the ironing basket as you, as you in sarcastic looking letters, are in there still underlined three times, making bourgeois tidbits for middle class politicians. So that's what we run the food is for. She's got a, a buffet social for a liberal Democrat club. Now, did you know, do you know the next um, media figure who's mentioned? I don't. I mean, I got the joke, but I didn't. I wasn't kind of aware of who he was. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so Ben mentions about someone called Paddy Ashdown going. Yeah. If he's going to be there, and Bill says um, his secretary said she couldn't be sure if he was coming or not. And Ben <laughs> says, "Well, that certainly makes a change." And and the way he just goes, "That makes a change." And Bill's yeah. given that glare. That is a filthy joke. That's a really <laughs> filthy joke. I mean, yeah. God, you, you can't get away with. You wouldn't get away with that now on prime time. I don't think. That's something you'd see in bottom, I think, after 10, 10 p.m., wasn't it? A joke like that. But yeah, I think Marshall does uh, test the water. He kind of he throws in a few uh, jokes like that here and there throughout the series, doesn't he? I think one of my favourite ones is in the Christmas special, Babies in the Wood, as well. When uh, when we, when Bill says uh, we haven't got much in here, and what you what we need something battery powered, and what you have doesn't make much light. Yeah, uh, to really, that's <laughs> one of my favourite jokes. Yeah, it's, a, it's and it's great little wink to the adults in the room. So yeah. there's actually some link to this. So Paddy Ashdown was the leader of the Liberal Democrats from 1988 to 1999. And in 92, so this was the year before this episode, um, it was it was made public that he had a five-month affair with his secretary, um, who was called Patricia Howard. And, then, and apparently the press gave him a nickname, which is um, Paddy Pantsdown. Oh, right. OK. <laughs> so that's a re- that I love the topical humour in it, because actually, yeah. you know, people might say, oh, that's quite a dated joke. Well, it is dated, but, you know, I've never heard of that. And there's a lot of scandals that you know about in politics. So like a few years later would have been the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal, which we all know about, even people of our age know about. But I never knew about that. So it it made me learn about a bit of history, political history that um, I, I wouldn't know about. 
I think that's what I love about 2.4 children, that depth, the way it kind of refers to things and it and it comments a lot on kind of society, especially at the time. And I think there'll be a lot that, that people can watch at the time and relate to, especially kind of with the hospitals and having to wait for appointments that it all touches on and kind of attacks really. Um, so I think I think it's good. I think Bill kind of stands up and waves a flag for, for us really and, and says, speaks to mine and speaks what's what's good and what's right. So And I think it means that we can look at from that time and compare it to now and, and then there's the stories are the same, but the names are different. And I like yeah. this next bit where we actually go back a little bit further. Um, so we have her mentioning um, Jenny's shirt and she refers to it as grunge fashion, you know, wearing your old rubbish, which in her day she'd used to call poverty. And yeah. they discuss their past. And I, I love this moment. And it's really quite a tender bit of writing that, you know, Ben says, you know, despite that, we were miserable. Because I think a lot of people, it's a very British thing. I, well, I thought it was a very northern thing, but maybe it's it's a British thing as a whole. People looking back on their past with rose-tinted specs. It's almost like wartime nostalgia. And, yeah. you know, looking back when things were better in the old days, when it actually was awful. Yeah. Um, it's quite refreshing in that sense, isn't it? Because they're not looking rose tinted. It's the very opposite. They're they're, they're looking of, of nettle tinted, if anything, glasses, yeah. and just looking at how bad things were. And I think there's a lot of kind of poignancy when they kind of looking at the past and stuff, and how they didn't have any money, and how Ben said he was too poor to be poverish, um, yes. and things about the lino not reaching the end of the carpets and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's quite yeah, it's quite sad in a lot of ways. And and yeah, I know. I've always said Bet is a very much a woman of her time in that she's got that kind of keep calm and carry on blitz yeah. spirit. So yeah. when you learn that, you know, she had like jobs and well, Bill says, you know, she's exhausted from shopping, cooking and a job at the factory. You know, it was a hard life back then. It's a hard life for a lot of people now. But if you ever speak yeah. to like my grandparents, um, you know, they were born in the 30s. So they were born, mm. so um, two of the, my, my older grandparents remember the war more than, were born in the earlier 30s and my other two in the later 30s. So the first two remember the war better. But even after the war, you know, rationing went on for a number of years and the, and the fallout was, was still yeah. felt by everybody. And, I, and this, the kind of conversations that they have, Bill and Ben have, really echo the kind of stuff I've heard about those years and, and how life was for most majority of people pretty difficult. I mean, you can tell um, that they have, it's made them who they are with their businesses. And Bill Ben says, well, we've got our own jobs and stuff. And I like that. They've kind of, sort of seen what their parents suffered with and wanted to, to um, well, more with opportunity as well, changing culture. They can, they can do more with their life. Yeah, it does. It may, it's just so layered and so complex. And I think that's another reason why 2.4 Children is so great, because it has those emotional beats, you know, like a lot of the United States Congress, it's a power one foot in the grave. They all have something in common, and that's they have those emotional beats where you're kind of tugging at the heartstrings. Um, and I think with comedy, you know, comedy and tragedy are very much the same thing. And I think when the lines are blurred within 2.4 Children, like One Foot in the Grave and British as well, I think, it, you know, it's always a good thing to see because it just gives, it gives a comedy so much more... It, it makes you enjoy it more, I think, and love it more because it's got that extra depth and stuff yeah. and those yeah. extra layers and complexities yeah. and the, the little touches of, you know, seeing it, you know, the past of Bill and Ben and stuff. It, it just gives their characters more depth, more richness, and and it just makes it the more, you know, more enjoyable. I think more, a better show, a more Definitely. enjoyable show. Absolutely. And then there's the humor, the, the dark humor, and Bill sort yeah. of goes well, off okay. saying. And then she goes off saying, you know, we used to fill girls' heads with rubbish about princesses and weddings. Then when you were dazed enough, they'd chain to us till at Woolworths and say, there you are, that's your lot, girly. 
they do abortions at lunchtime behind the pick and mix. I and, love that. I wrote that line down. It's, it's such a good line. Um, I mean, Andrew Marshall creative jokes, I think. And that's one of them. Because he just, it, some of the jokes he makes, you kind of, it makes him think of things and picture things. And I just had a picture of pick and mix and stuff and, and abortions. And I think it's just, it's great at kind of putting those kind of creative like Im images in your head, I think. And yeah, I love that joke. Speaking of which, we are old enough to remember Woolworths. I was 13 yeah. when it, well, I was just before 14 when they shut. So <laughs> what did you, what was your choice of pick and mix if whenever you went to Woolies? Oh, that's a good choice. That's a good question. I used to like the sour sweets, you know, I like sour mm. sweets and cola bottles have always been my favourite. They'd be my go-to one. So normal cola bottles, sour cola bottles. Um, but yeah, I just, I think I remember more the actual experience of just opening those lids and <laughs> the scoopers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my granddad used to call it glue. Because it probably yeah, had been glue. there for days and they just hardened up. Because I was more of a chocolate fan when I was yeah. younger. Um, but the two things I liked was, you remember those little button, um, white chocolate buttons with little sprinkles on top? They were like little ball yeah. sprinkles rather than the yeah. lined ones. Yeah. That. And, you know, um, do you remember these sweets, Campinos? Yes, I do, which you can get actually internationally, but they stopped making them in the UK. Yeah. It was delicious. They basically, for anyone doesn't remember them it was like um, a creamy and strawberry flavored sweet it was like it was it was like a Werther's original it was in the shape of a Werther's original but it had like a, a white and red swirl around the texture of the sweet that was basically strawberry and cream I used to call it strawberry and cream sweets but I, I didn't know they were called Campinos but they used to have packs of them like yeah. a, a, of little ones in little wrappers in a big pack but they also had them in the in the tubs which you li lifted up and scooped out I must admit, if I were, if Woolies was still around today, if every time I'd walk past the pick and mix, I would just think of this joke and just like, <laughs> just just go so red with it because it is just it is really funny. It's the nostalgia, isn't it? And I think I think of all with Campinos, didn't they do an orange and cream one? I'm sure they did. They did. It was they did. Um. Oh, the one I remember was I think it was butterscotch. Yeah. That granddad, yeah. my granddad liked the butterscotch one. I remember um, like a spin-off flavor, but yeah, yeah, they, they do still make Campinos and it's the same brand as well. So it's still called the same name, um, but that's, that's abroad. Yeah. If you go on, if you go on the internet, you will find uh, packets. That's the good news. It's still I, will look, <laughs> I will look for that. So but I love, love that bit of, bit of nostalgia there, Woolworths. Yeah, so then Bill mentioned your boys could travel, if you liked airplanes or uniforms. And then Ben being, Ben just says, well, I didn't have the figure for an air hostess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good joke. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love the, I love that, you know, one of the things that you were saying before about it being a great episode with Bill and Ben's relationship, I feel like you really get a time with them. It's the, you know, where they are just talking about anything and you see all the emotions and stuff. So like this little bit is a great exchange when she asks if, she, well, he asks her if she wants a hand with the rubbish because she's got the black bin bag. She says, no. And then he goes back to the video game and she just rolls her eyes. And it's a typical man thing of saying, if yeah. she says no, she means yes. Yeah. <laughs> ben just doesn't pick up on that. He's, he's very lazy, Ben, isn't he? He's just... He's oh, yeah. Cool. Gotcha. Um, but he's busy. I mean, sitcom Stephen made a good point recently that he's not... He's he's, he's just tired. That's more yeah. what it is. He's not an uncaring person. He's just no, busy. No. They've both got... They're grown-ups now. They're not really young kids anymore. They've got a, a household to run. That's it. And I think later on in this episode, you do see how just how much they love each other as well, which is quite special. But yeah, the season three is like a, a fantastic season. I think it gets quite 
I think it's an underrated season in an underrated programme because I think mm. a lot of people say, oh, the first few seasons weren't that funny. But I thought season three was really funny. Um, I particularly this episode, like the jokes in this are just absolutely hilarious. They're just brilliant and on point, every single one. And the um, chemistry. Oh, sorry. And I was going to say that the, the actual story arc of Don't Go Maya, I think is my favourite story arc in the whole season. I think it's it's just really good. It's, it's dark, it's eerie, it's weird. And it's just, it's a really interesting plot as well. A really interesting story arc, I think, the Don't Go Maya thing, because it keeps you guessing. And it, yeah. yeah, I think the payoff in the finale isn't a letdown either. I think it's I think it's good. A really yeah. good story arc. It starts to get more, um, the, the plots become a bit more tightly um centered in in the sense that you really feel like it's about it whereas in first two series there were things happening but it was like a few different sort of ideas and, and there were plots and there were drives but it was a bit more going from one scene to another whereas this one's about stuff so this one sort of develops and and then turns into the next bit now becomes the moment where things shift and before Bill goes outside, she goes, you know, later on, you can show me how to undo my seatbelt. And then um, I love when Ben goes, coffee, tea, honey. <laughs> yeah. And so it's out. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I'm just saying, I love Ben as a as a female. He, he pulls it off really well, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I think he'd make a really funny um, uh, panto dame. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then outside the house, she puts the bin or pins out um, and she sees uh, a man in a grey hoodie and puts stuff in the back of a car and then gets in and there's two guys in the car and they drive off. It does look very dodgy or suspicious, as she says. Back in the house, she keeps repeat. She comes back in repeating the registration number and struggles to find something to write it on. So it's G552DDP. And the way she says it so constantly, it's like a tongue twister. Which you could stumble. I tried doing it earlier because she does it loads and over. And I go, G five five two DDP, G five five two DDP, and I can't even do it without stumbling over it. It's 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 really funny. Um, it's, I love this scene. I love the fact it, it's just the complete the, the fact that we know why she's saying it, but but also Ben doesn't have a clue why she's saying it, and that makes it so funny because she's running into the house and just shouting this registration plate over and over again, and, and Ben just doesn't. I love how Ben just gets up and and just panics, even though he doesn't know why. He's still trying to find thing, find a pen for Ben, for for Bill. Yeah, <laughs> and even though she like looks at him and just has that look of G five five two D D P, you know, she has that urgency, and the, and and the, he she calls the police, and and this is just typical Ben. If he can't, he, he not never wanting to give up he actually writes the registration number on a cucumber (laughs) with mustard actually writing it and then because she and holds it up and then the p is missing at the end so he puts it holds up an actual tiny green p it's just a fantastic visual while she's on the phone to the police the timing's spot on and i think that's such like a that's such an english problem not being able to find a pen because i can buy 20 pens from a shop and i don't know what i do with them but i'll never see them again and that's yeah. why i only buy the cheap pens because if i buy an expensive one i'll never see it again i don't know if i swallow it or it dissolves but i have, I have a theory that pens are magic because that's the only explanation i've got i think i said the other day when i was looking for a pen is it grown legs and run away because that's what they do they just don't, you can't find them the thing to do now is you, you can buy a pack of you say 20 pens and then just put one in each room or like just put them in like different parts wherever you live and just be like look you, yeah there's a pen over there there's a pen over there and then put it back but it never happens i remember bill saying that she'd replace the uh, womb with a vending machine and um, in one of the earlier episodes because it says we're in about i think i'd do the same but with pens so i'd have a vending machine with pens in my stomach so i would never lose them again yes that's, uh, that's the way forward <laughs> that makes sense 
So yeah. Mel says they're acting suspiciously and Ben keeps asking her how. And this is another um, the public figure reference. And she says that he's interrogating her like Fred Dynage. Now, do you, have you ever watched any Fred Dynage on telly? Again, I watched this um, episode just before we recorded this, actually. And I don't have a clue who he is. <laughs> but so I like the fact that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he's been on, he's still on. He's still around. He's still on telly now. Um, funnily enough, in the last decade, he has been known for crime documentaries. He, did a se- he does a series called um, Fred Dynage's Murder Casebook. Um, but from what I can gather, he's mostly presented a range of shows for over the years, all kinds of different shows. But he's also well known for having helped the Cray twins write their joint autobiography. And he also helped Ronnie Cray with his individual autobiography. So he's he's had a link to to, to criminals and stuff. And it's, it's funny she mentions him because he does. You see a picture of him. He looks very authoritarian and he looks a bit like a detective. I actually would be frightened of him if I was on the wrong side of him. Very fitting for this episode as well, I think. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, if you, when he talks about murders, he's very serious and like he says, yeah. you know, the crimes were committed here. I mean, yeah. point, off, point off that dramatically, but he has got a real uh, eeriness about him, I'd say. Yeah. So Ben questions everything and, you know, even suggests they may have, that the grinders may have come back off holiday. So it's really planting this idea that they're not there or they might be. Yeah. So they go next door to the front of the house and Bill bangs on the door, shouts through the letterbox. And Ben says, you know, there's no signs of the door or windows being forced. He seems very um, laid back about this. He doesn't seem to think that there has been any, um, anything happens. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to, I think Ben just wants to get back to Ninja Badger, doesn't he, at this stage? <laughs> oh. And then in the next episode, that's going to cause him a lot of grief. So I know that there's a uh, burglar alarm at the top of the Grinders' house. And Bill thinks it might potentially be a false one because some people have false ones, you know, for scaring off burglars. So when she bangs on the window and it goes off, I hate the sound of burglar of, of burglar alarms. I, I hate that. I'm more car car alarms going off for, yeah. for no reason. I think it's one of them into. I think I think worryingly now, burglar alarms have kind of lost their impact because I'm pretty sure if someone hears it, the last thing they do is call the police. All they're going to do is go shut up. Yes. <laughs> And so, and what's funny is, and this is, a, this is, I love the, the way that um, the writing sort of demonstrates people's skewed, ima- skewed thoughts process. The fact that the front door of the ha- porter's house is locked. So they go through the window and then Bill's like, why did we do that? I have a key. Yeah. It's hilarious. That. It just shows how in blind panic, like the whole kind of strings of rationality just get lost and just through the window. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant kind of joke, like the way they get through the window. He goes, I did that. I've got a key. <laughs> And David runs down asking if they're smoking marijuana and he references Frank Zappa, the American musician, um, because he says that he went 10 days without sleep. And then Bill says, well, he christened his child Moon Unit. And he actually did. Oh, really? Is that true then? (laughs) That is actually true. Moon Moon Unit's like, I think, about 54 now or something. Oh, right. I, I, yeah, so that's a weird name for a kid, isn't it? Definitely. (laughs) And then David says he wants to watch The Word. Um, and then Ben replies saying, well, you just might to shine a torch down his pyjamas and it amounts to the same thing. Another um, thing I had to Google. Did you watch The Word back in the day? Was that the one where they did kind of like dares and stuff? Um, 
what was it kind of it was it like in it was like a show late night show was it a channel four show or something like that and it was late night and they did things like they had like a section where they say i'll do anything to get on tv then they do like a dare is that the right i right? think it is i had i read about it and i i think that's what it is they had segments they had like interviews they had music they had yeah they had things on there they said that they'd have it on late so guests could um be a bit controversial it's kind of in the same vein of things like euro trash and um yeah yeah and uh, not while well, TFI Friday was on post pre-water shed, you wouldn't think it with um, the people they have on had on it and swore all oh, the yeah. time. I think I think we miss sort of kind of shows like that now, don't we? You don't really get kind of shows like that that are kind of like touching like a nerve or something or a bit kind of oh edgy or a bit more daring. I think yeah, I think it's got with like like health and safety and stuff that's perhaps progressed as well through time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think things are much more like safe now compared to some of those uh, shows back then. Also, I don't I, I know I don't want to sound like. <laughs> like I'm, I, I believe in this, but I know some there, there would be people out there who say the woke brigade or snowflakes would get offended. I do think um, some TV has got up very boring in the last ten years because it, some shows, you know, it is very easy to offend people. And when I say offend, I don't mean that everything has to be horrible or like prejudicing yeah. people. Absolutely not. But just a bit, just having a laugh like these shows did. They were they were stupid. Some of the stuff they had on in the nineties. I really enjoy those kind of shows where they kind of do countdowns and they look at like highlights and past TV shows and stuff. Most outrageous moments in the nineties. Yeah, you know, they're on for like two or three hours. Yes. I think I'll settle down and you can just watch these. And I just find them really interesting. Yeah. There was one on a few years ago called um, "It Was All Right" in the, and it was different decades. I saw those, yeah, that, they're oh, really good. Some of the stuff in the nineties, I'm just like, God, this is bit to the knuckle even for the, even even 2000s you think god they wouldn't get away with things yeah. like that now i love that and i love things like when when news goes horribly wrong or when live tv goes horribly wrong those countdown shows they're just the best yeah and i think i love the, the nostalgia as well like looking back of, of the 80s and 90s and how tvs and how presenters look and everything like that i'm a big fan of kind of looking at i mean w- one of my nerdy hobbies is to kind of Sit, sit late at night with a chocolate milkshake and watch TV adverts from 1992, for example, or, or, or in the past. I just find it fascinating. I don't know why. I would never sit and watch a load of adverts from now, but I, I love watching kind of old adverts and stuff and seeing how things have changed and things, particularly with that McDonald's adverts, how you can have kids eating a burger back then, and now you would never even do that. No, it was... The McDonald's adverts used to be great, especially with the, the clown. Ugh. Oh, did you, have you seen the first Ronald McDonald? Absolutely terrifying. Uh, the first one, at first advert or the first clown look? The, the very first look of Ronald McDonald, terrifying. And the first Minnie and Mickey Mouse from, I think, the 30s or 40s. I've seen that. That looks <laughs> trippy. That looks very trippy. <laughs> oh, that is stuff out of nightmares. <laughs> I love this next bit when Bill says about threatening the, putting Carpenter's records on and David runs away. I love the Carpenters. My parents love the Carpenters. Love Fool. I love Love Fool. When I was yeah. at uni, I always request that, that song. And if it came on, I'd be on that pole like a shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, yeah some old you know i think kids these days or certainly <laughs> yes i think kids more now certainly when i was at school and maybe more now like nostalgia a bit more i think yeah. one time yeah. you know super Mario john certainly they sometimes threaten having um, music on um old but i think nowadays people are a bit, prefer nostalgia but unlike unlike current stuff as well because there's something yeah. charming about Something like come yeah. on Eileen coming on at a party. 
I think so. And I think in the way we're living with lockdown and stuff, I think people yearn for that nostalgia. And I think now's a good time where people just wanted to go back to for children, go back to British Empire. They want to recapture kind of perhaps memories back or just going back to shows that yeah. they used to love and perhaps being forgotten. I think I think I think now more than ever, people just love that feeling of nostalgia going back to like the nineties, for example. Oh, 2019's nostalgia for me <laughs> already. Yeah. It's like two years ago when yeah. we could do things. It feels like it feels like it. <laughs> So Bill wonders where the police are and um, and there's, there's a really good joke. As you said, there's quite a few good jokes in this when Ben says that sometimes they get loads of false alarms. And she says, well, what about next door? And he goes, "Was that? well, that wasn't false. You know, it's like, yes, that's really good. The, 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 yeah. the false alarm, as in, you know, calls that are yeah. crimes and then the actual false. Yeah, very good. I like, I like jokes. Like, it's fine. like I like it in sitcoms when you can find a joke in every little moment and and try and not exploiting it but it, it works because they're witty characters and they and he is quite they're quite sharp as everyone yeah. as people can be if you meet people every day it could be like a sitcom <laughs> yeah that's true i think it's a really good episode of this there's, there's that many i think every single joke is just so brilliant and sharply written um it's definitely one of my favorite episodes and uh, yeah, yeah it's just really really funny, isn't it? i definitely and and Bill goes on another one of her Thatcher rants when he says about, well, it's none of our business anyway. And she goes, well, that is just typical. I mean, I think that is a real catchphrase for Bill. It's like, well, that is that is just typical and and lists all things that are wrong. And he goes, it's bloody Thatcher again. It always is. And I'm thinking so many people that can still relate to that. (laughs) I think we need T-shirts with Bill's face that says bloody Thatcher across it. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. They're being really angry. And then she gets a phone call. There's no reply and keep saying hello. And then she says, that's another thing that's typical. And then goes off about before they sold off telecom and how people used to be in. It can't be yeah. what we said earlier. Um, and then it's like, oh, now they keep you saying hello, 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 yeah. hello. And then again, another great joke from them goes, well, maybe they were ringing hello. Yeah. The magazine, <laughs> you know, it's those kind of jokes that it, it, it sort of lightens the mood. I was going to say as well it's a fantastic payoff as well that this kind of phone ringing and her picking up and nobody answering it's just such a that kind of gets her ready for such a fantastic finale as well definitely and then we hear bill say that they were when they were younger and again this is something you hear a lot of people say all the time that when they were younger their parents could leave doors unlocked all the time and no one would ever go in there has yeah. always been criminals i don't know what people say if you right i i'll admit I am one of those weird people who likes to learn about, who likes true crime. I like learning about serial killers and stuff. They've always been around. They've always been creepy people who rob, always been people who, you know, break into people's homes in the middle of the night. It's never been a safe world. I love people say, oh, that never happened when I was younger. Yeah. Or, but you know, when people and 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 some, it's even like people now who say things like, oh, you know, some more innocent time when I was younger in the 1970s, uh, Jimmy Savile was on TV yeah <laughs> let's put it into perspective yeah it was it was easier times back then it was safer times we didn't even have front doors back then you know what i mean it, and it's like um people would sort of shut, cover their ears all the time now and and, and that's why people can't cope with reality yeah. hitting them tell you what was funny um do you remember Catherine tate's nan character nanny taylor yes. there was a great oh, something <laughs> oh yeah such very foul language there's a funny bit where she talks about serial killers and, and, and like dangerous criminals that she knew. And then she mentions something like this. And she goes, oh, when I was a kid, to leave your back doors open, safe. <laughs> I don't know why with all these oddy all yeah. running around. And you just think, you know, that, that, that's a good point, really. 
she's a great character and i love the laugh as well the ah it's just fun great <laughs> so we find that and then ben mentions about having a small television and he says you know, we have to stick an aerial out of the window and wave it in the fog to get robin hood yeah. So this was an ITV show, The Adventures of Robin Hood, from 55 to 59. You mentioned it before. Yeah. I had to Google um, the guy who played him, because when Bill says, you know, he was 50 if he was a day, when actually the, the actor who played him, which was Richard Green, was actually 38. Oh, right. OK. He looks, I would say he looks his age. I wouldn't say he looks 50. Um, right. He definitely looks his age. But people back then tend to look older i find people in their 20s look like they're about 35 yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that because i watched greece for the first time not so long ago and all the men and women they look much older i think than most them. of them were <laughs> nearly 40 yeah. and i thought i thought he's never 17 come on like yeah yeah <laughs> there was a, i think um, olivia newton john was like 30 when she made greece and i think yeah. i think john travolta was have been only about 24 and i think that made him the youngest cast member I wonder why that is because I remember watching like, American Pie as well, and they, I think that I feel they look quite old for their age as well. And they seem to always, I don't know if it was like a conscious decision to like cast older looking people to play kids, maybe I don't know, but Could yeah, be. I've, always, I've, I've always noticed that in like films and stuff, particularly in the past, where they, they've got they look much older than they actually the characters they're playing. Well, Derry Girls, I think, are um, I think they're all in their 30s or late 20s. Mm. Um, yeah. I know sex education, most of them are in their early 20s, but that's partly because they've got to be naked and do a lot of very rude stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably why. I think I think Simon as well in the in-betweeners, he's quite, he, he's one that, look, he does look his age that he's meant to play in in-betweeners, but I think he's actually much older he's than his actual older. character. He's about 38 now, isn't he 40? Like, yeah, you wouldn't okay. guess it though, would you? You wouldn't guess it at all. I want to know what moisturiser he uses because he's not aged in about 12 years <laughs> since it started. Him and Darren Styles don't age. <laughs> no, definitely not. Or Anton Deck. <laughs> oh, no. That, no, Anton Deck definitely don't age, and they're, like, nearly 50. Yeah. I love how Ben says it was crap, that show, and it was all cardboard forest. And I did see one um, clip on YouTube. It looked like a forest. It, I think they filmed yeah. it in an actual forest. And maybe it might have been a later series, or I was looking at the wrong episode. Um, yeah. But then what's funny is they switch on the TV, because, as you say, ICV is the only one on. And then it's that show, and the theme tune's quite classic now it's quite classic it goes robin hood robin hood riding through the den i don't i'm not going to do any more of that that's my best impression and bill looks like she's enjoying it and loves bobbing her head and then ben turns it off and this next bit is really quite nice observation when he says you know in one day everything that we never want to watch ever again will be repeated all the time (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's the that's thing about watching something like 2.4 Children from like the 90s. Like it gives, when you watch it in today's times, it gives like a new spin to it that perhaps the audiences, I guess, I guess when you watch it at the time when it was actually on, you watch it very differently to how you watch it now. Yeah. Like now it's quite nostalgic and there's there's kind of things that, there's, there's jokes there which kind of, it's almost as if Marshall can see into the future of how it's going to be like a, a sea of repeats and it's kind of a bit spooky in a way because I guess I guess when it was on then, there wasn't kind of loads of repeats 24-7, but now there is. So we can somehow, a show that's 30 years old, we can somehow relate to more now than perhaps the audiences did then for that particular type of joke. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if Sky had launched a couple of years earlier and UK Gold, I think, was maybe the year of this episode or the year before, but it was still very in its infancy so it definitely feels like 
yeah maybe it was just the early stages and, and moving forward because yeah. nowadays you know you've got um netflix brit box prime which have box sets and as you say this last year in particular lots of people have been binge watching loads of classic shows and not just friends for the thousandth time lots of really popular shows um when yeah. saying well why don't they repeat anything good 2.4 children that's what um, i thought yeah, yeah. I it's clever the way there's a few little self-reflexive jokes that Andrew Marshall uses, which I quite like. Yeah, like they say, oh, there's been watching TV and another episode going, oh, they're all, all these sitcoms, they're all terrible, you know. And then there's obviously the episode in season eight, Fame, when that family's on at the end, and it's kind of reflection of them and stuff. So yeah. I think there's a lot of nods and winks to the to the um, to the audience, and it's quite meta in that sense. Uh, yeah. quite in a lot of ways and kind of it, it's doing things similar to how Scream and Scream 2 and 3 kind of did that yes. kind of with the camera that kind of postmodern meta sort of you know you're in on the joke really yeah. we're poking a stick at ourselves here so I think I like that I like that I like that as well and it's, it's something like I mean Mrs Brown's boys does it but it, they overdo it whereas in 2.4 yeah. children it's very it's very um, sprinkled occasionally and it's a treat yeah. it's something you, you don't kind of expect all the time yeah definitely so they get their hats on and decide to have to investigate themselves. All this time, the siren is still going off, <laughs> which is funny. And so they go into the back garden and the two torchlights, it's very X-Filesy, considering this was like just before X-Files started, or I think it started in America by this point, but before it was ever seen. And they go through a gap in the fence and he drops his torch and, they, and he thinks he's got it picked up and it's actually Thunderbirds 1. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they look up at the Grimes' house and, and they've got these roller blinds, this really garish looking roller blinds. And then Bill's just like, I can't believe people have roller blinds like that. It, and, it, it, and they're hideous. They're vile. They are. It's a great delivery because she's like, oh, my God. He's like, what? I can't believe people have roller blades like that anymore. And it's just fantastic. <laughs> this garish thing in the world. And also a bit of um, foreshadowing when Ben says, yeah. well, I didn't know she put in a fish pond. Yes, so that reminds us obviously of the deep in season five when they kill and spray paint the fish. <laughs> yes, so the through the conservatory door, um, she looks through the conservatory door and they thinks that um, Bill thinks they're tied up, and that is a very nice little bit of foreshadowing for later yeah. on. Yeah. And I, how Ben smashes the door and it's actually two dummies um, that are tied up, and I love the way he says, "Um, well, their sex lives are, lo- are looking up <laughs> into bondage, Mrs. Drew, and Mrs. Grimes." Um, <laughs> I love that. I love it's kind of almost like a mirror at them as well. But the fact that you've got these two dummies versus two dummies who have just broken in. I think it's yeah. quite interesting. <laughs> I think with um, Bill Rem- and then Bill remembers them describes as the costumes for Leonard's operatic society. And, and I, I do get a vibe with those two. They're kind of busybodies. Like he's in the operatic society. She's probably at the D- the WI. I can imagine she's a bossy boots with everyone she knows. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a job's worth, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. And so we know that the main door to the actual house is locked. Um, hopefully the glass isn't going to be as as sensitive as the one that they smashed through the conservatory door. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they take those and take the TV as well. And when they into the into the porter's house, and I love the fact that the phone rings again, right after they've been in the Grimes's house, which yeah. is again. Yeah. And I've noticed more of these sort of hints. Yeah, throughout, watching it again, and then Ben suggests that they go to the Nick with everything. And I like that we see, I like the fact that we do actually see the, the police car. We go into the police car in the next scene when they yeah. say, you know, the two officers are briefed on, on what I'm assuming is, I, I, did you take what I took from it, which is they're being told what Bill has seen? 
Yeah, I'm good. yeah, because I wasn't too sure on that because they didn't. I'm right in thinking they didn't call them, did they? They didn't call the police. No, she did. She called the police earlier. She did, right? Um, yeah, got mixed when, up there. When he got when he got they gave out the cucumber, she was giving it to the police. So I, I but it's been quite. But she keeps saying throughout that time from then till um, where we're up to now. Where are they? Ben says, you know, the false alarms. They're probably busy, but it's been such a long time later. I'm assuming it's the one that Bill rang, or maybe, though I'm not sure, someone else, another neighbour's seen her and Ben putting stuff into the car. I don't know if that's very realistic because it's, but then it's dark. Would they know yeah. that they're the, because if they don't know, if you know people in your neighbourhood doing that sort of thing, even if it's late at night, you would know they're your neighbours. But if it's suspicious, no strangers, you'd be suspicious. Yeah. I think um, I think that was my theory that, that they were getting blamed for the robbery because I think I, don't, I just love how they're carrying stuff out and they're trying to protect it from robbers and they're looking like the actual robbers that you know they they don't want anybody to steal from the house and there they are stealing from their house. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bit. It's, it is a funny um, bit of timing, really. The fact that as you say they look very suspicious, look like the the guys that she saw. Yeah, and so with the TV. Yeah, I think we had that TV at my home, my own home. Um, like a really tiny sort of TV thing with an aerial on top of the black boxes. It just seems weird now seeing TVs that aren't flat, doesn't it? It's just it's just strange. It used to be so big, heavy things. I remember those big kind of brow wooden things as well in those kind of cases that used to get wheeled yes. out at school. Yeah, <laughs> same. It was, yeah, I remember those. Um, I used to love it. As soon as that wheeled out, I thought, yes, at school, because I knew you don't have to do any writing for an hour. You just get to watch something. Yes. Yeah, that excitement of seeing that TV being wheeled out at school is just the best thing ever. Oh, come outside. <laughs> do you remember come outside with Auntie Mabel, the spotted airplane look, and Pippin? Look down, look all around. Yeah, yes. that was a great show. And um, so we now realise that they they kind of... Bill used her food as, as bribing to get off with the police. Um, but she's paranoid because she thinks that the phone calls might be the burglars or something. Yeah. And I love how Ben says to her, you know, just calm down. They go to bed, but Ben's looking outside the window, says there's nothing there. Then a, when a car engine starts, he's like really paranoid. And then he's like briefing her on every bit of what the car's doing, which is just going down the road, indicating left. So you're, yes. it's clearly getting to him as well. It's clear yeah. the whole, the both of them are, are scaring each other now. The paranoia is just suddenly mounting and mounting and, and spilling over into it to both of them. It's brilliant. And this next bit is, it's really funny. He says, um, he, you know, he says, uh, thinks he won't sleep. He'll have a bad dream. Um, you know, they'll come in and and you know, steal my money and take the car. And, and Bill says, that's what David's going to do. I wouldn't call that a bad dream. And he says, what do you call a bad dream? And and Bell delivers a very morbid monologue. Wow, yes. Isn't it? It's just absolutely insane. <laughs> I come home and I'm naked. And there in the house is the Duke of Edinburgh. He's being held at gunpoint by Basque terrorists and they seize me as well as, as well and the kids. And they start slicing up Prince Philip and sending bits of him off to the palace day by day. Except they go on too long and eventually he's completely escaped by post. So they turn on me and try to get me to do terrible things to Jenny and David. And I do and I start to enjoy it. And I wear a balaclava and laugh. Then you come home and shoot me with a harpoon gun and I die. Go to sleep. I mean, <laughs> that is really twisted dialogue. Yeah. Do you that think is, that's a dream she's had? It is just brilliant. Well, well, yeah, I mean, Bill's kind of renowned in the series, I think, for having like bad dreams. And she has quite a few bad dreams. There's yes, one that starts with uh, Rona being a nun. And then was that one? Is the biker in that one? 
episode as well in that dream yeah he's he's in the bed and then bill goes up with i think dave no sorry ben goes upstairs with a gun yeah that's it and then somebody comes around with sky tv yes Um, that's the yeah. And then, of course, the season eight as well with the episode, um, season eight, episode one, Fame, when they're on reality TV, she comes down and she, finds, she wakes up, she's in changing rooms. So, yeah, she has a lot of bad dreams, but that one is definitely the most twisted, I think. And, yeah, that's what I love about 2.4 Children. It's very, it's very, very dark, especially for a, a 8.30 sitcom. You know, there's a lot of dark undercurrents and that, that imagery of you know, somebody being chopped up into little bits. I mean, that's what you see in a horror film, 18 bad, plus horror Bad timing, though, because Prince Philip's still in hospital at the minute. I think he's OK. Um, yes. But he's true, currently... Yeah. We've, we, we're recording this two days after the interview, the Meghan and Harry interview, and Prince Philip is still in hospital. But I'm envisioning Prince Philip early 90s as he is now, 99-year-old man when he was only in his 70s then. Yeah, I, I also have the image that he's going to be look at the same forever. Yes. <laughs> you know, some people just think that never change. Like the Queen, I always imagine the Queen looking the exact same forever. Yeah. It's probably look <laughs> the same for, for, our, for our lifetime. She's yeah. always been old in our lifetime. So the phone rings and again, and it sort of builds that tension. You think it's going to be the burglars, and I love how Ben sort of says hello with the voice goes hello, thinking he's yeah. going to be he's going to sound tough, but he's a he's a teddy bear. Yeah. But it's Rona, and she's in bed. She's got a man in bed next to her sleep. She heard noises and um, learned. We learned that it wasn't her ringing before. And there's another great joke when she said when Bell asks, "So did you hear?" any bells ringing and it's like well i don't know him that well <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then she gives her potentials that it might be a 24-hour repairman because she's been using 24-hour tv repairman before probably not, not, sure to re- not repairing <laughs> the tv that's for sure um but that's a different film yeah and then we give she gives her a suggestion and this is a real you can tell this is quite an old suggestion the fact that ben well sorry it's an old suggestion so Ben goes downstairs and there's the cats meowing outside. I love the fact that they're really meowing and he's just like, lucky sods. Yeah. <laughs> Not knowing what cats don't have any, um, what's the word? Well, consensus doesn't actually go happen with cats, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I think it's more, uh, I was going to say dog eat dog, but that's probably not the right word to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ben makes a cup of tea and sings along to Elvis on the radio. And, he, you know, I love how um, Ben, or should we say Gary Olsen, the way that he performs these um, moments when he's sort of singing along in the kitchen while he's making a tea, gets a French stick and performs it like a, a guitar and does a really good um, Elvis. He's a really, you could tell he did musicals and stuff because he can really move and you can tell he has quite a good singing voice. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. And interestingly, his singing voice is quite underused in like the Christmas specials a lot, isn't it? You have all the actors that sing the Christmas specials. He like, doesn't sing that much. Um, but yeah, he has got a great singing voice. And I love these little gems, these little moments where you see Ben just dancing and singing along, similar to the one in in, episode, in season one, sorry. When he's, uh, I think when nobody's around, he just loves to break into song. <laughs> I think um, he's probably, he, I, well, I always, my theory of Ben is that he, I know he's a bit dismissive of David doing um, drama, in series five but when david starts his own boy band and then ben sings with them that it's a state of mind song he joins them for a bit he's amazing i love that is that i've got a question is that an an actual song or is that one that andrew marshall wrote it's not um and it's an original song it was written by two men who let me just check um they were comics i think it's a great song it is a good song. I thought I thought it was a real song when I first watched it because it it felt like um, it sound it just sounded like something had been done before. 
Um, but let me just check because I have read this before. Um, let me just type it through. And now it's in, and now the screaming starts is what it's called. Yeah. Um, episode as well. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, let me just check. Um, I'm just going to pause the recording for a moment just while I get this. So the song's called Age. And according to um, the British Comedy Guide, it was composed by a guy called Simon Brint. And he was one of a duo, a comedy duo called Raw Sex. Now, I've seen them on French and Saunders sketch shows. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on quite, a, I think they were on every episode in the first couple of series where they would do like songs and, and funny little lines. But Simon Brint was one of the two of them. And he's actually died 10 years ago this year. He committed suicide, it seems. Oh, right. Gosh, yeah, that's the that's the singer of that song, then, is it? Yeah, uh, well, he, I think he composed and wrote the lyrics for that song. That's what it says on, on the British Comedy Guide for this particular, for that episode. And now the screaming starts, um, which is really, really sad, that. Oh, so did he, so he created that, that song for the episode, then? Is that right? I think so, yeah. It seems like it. Um, it's and it's a, a well-written song. song. Yeah, it's, so it's really good. It's so catchy. I'm singing it. I'm singing along to it when I when I watch it. I just love it. Same. And and again, Gary Olson really plays it so well. Yeah. And you know, you can see that Ben as a character, I think, is a bit of a should we say a closeted performer. I think he just loves it. He really yeah. loves it deep down. Yeah, I think my favourite, one of my favourite all-time scenes of the series as well is when is with Jenny and David and they perform the Blues Brothers. Um, yes, that, that as well, yeah. The emotional roller coaster, it's just it's just dropped in perfectly because Jenny's down on her luck. You just really want you really want things just to work for her. And it's like a, a firework goes off and you're like, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we are well, Ben's listening to the radio and it's a show called Elvis Through the Night. So he's playing um songs by the uh, the King of Rock. King of Rock? Yeah, King of Rock. Um, and then Bill rings in the phone in and, it, you know, can you imagine if you were listening to an Elvis radio show in the early hours of the morning? I think in right, hello, little lady, what are you going to say about Elvis? And she said, well, um, actually, this is what's happened. Um, and is it legal to read out a registration number on the radio? I know I don't think it is now, but I don't know if it was then. I'm I not wouldn't. too sure. I'm I not too sure, to be honest. Um, but yeah, another thing as well with that, I mean, I actually Googled that register. I've got this thing when I watch sitcoms and when I see registration plates, I'm on the, the Gov website and just to see their MOT history, see the mileage, see if they're still running or not. I did it with Keep Up Appearances Rover car, which is not on the road anymore, obviously. Um, I did it with this one, but I couldn't find it. It wouldn't bring anything up. Um, but if you did want to know anybody um, listening, um, the in-betweeners car, that yellow car is on the road and it's roadworthy and the MOT expires in July 2021. <laughs> well, that's that. That's really cool. I love. I love that. Um, that car. And another thing as well with this radio, and is it Richard Bowden, the director, who's the radio presenter? Ooh, I, I, why? Why do you have you have you looked at IMDb? No, I just his voice. For one of her bits of him speaking in the past. And I'm sure he's got like an Irish twang to his voice or something. And there's an episode in this season, I think, is it the next one where they have that trick of plugging in the microwave or the, the fish tank and then you break in the fish. And somebody goes, right, hold it, guys. We'll cut there. And it just sounds just like him. And I weren't too sure if that is Richard Bowden on the radio. It, it could well be because they sometimes, we've, we've, we've had this debate with, I've had this debate with other guests before. Sometimes when they've got um, characters on TV, for example, they had... Um, 
the Australian soap opera, which is clearly Belinda Lang and Julia Hills as two Australian characters. And then again, when Rona's in her wedding dress in her house and there's that song by Tammy Wynette, Divorce, and my guest thought, yeah, thought it was Belinda Lang. So I think that I like the fact that they use the cast for those kind of yeah. moments. And if it is the crew, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think I think as well. I think Tony, Rona's Tony. I think I'm sure that he's used as like a voiceover or on the radio DJ in Two Point Four Children as well. I'm sure I can recognise his voice when he comes on. I can't remember the exact points in the series, but I'm sure I'm sure that happens. I love that kind of stuff in the in productions of how they do things yeah. and, and and little extra details like that. I think it's really cool. And then Ben hears this um, this uh, conversation over the phone uh, on the radio. And I love when they uh, he goes back to the bedroom and um, she's asleep, well, seemingly, and then he starts singing, Are you lonesome? It really is lovely. <laughs> and then she, I, I love this bit when she's, he sort of giggles and pulls the covers back and finds the phone and he tickles her and she lets out this really childish laugh. And for someone who's so kind of serious and grown up and responsible, mature, it's so nice to see a really kind of young yeah. and, and, and girly again. It's, and it's, and it's, it's, it's got these little chemistry moments it's not it's good it's with the writing very tender and funny and playful but also Belinda Lang and Gary Olsen's chemistry just works so well they are perfect together I think what I love about this episode is you get to really their characters shine through because they've got all that extra kind of airtime and stuff being the only two characters in the in the episode Mm -hmm. really Um, and and it's brilliant I mean you really get a, a sense of how the intricate complexities of their relationship i think in this episode you know that the heartache the tragedy in the past um you know the laziness uh the hard workiness the tiredness but also the love and affection they have for each other and yeah. um, there's so many different levels and, and stuff going on i think that's what makes it so good and so complex and rich to watch it's so multi-layered and complex there's so many different bits and elements to their characters uh compared to you know um, for example obviously my family is quite a um, a funny show but it's quite a 2d show in the sense you don't get those rich complexities in the characters i was thinking i, I think you see more of their a more kind of realism in the relationship between bill and ben in this one episode than you get in any of the hundred odd episodes you get of my family to be honest they just argue those that yeah. couple of my family and whereas in this episode and also i think an early example where you see how they're really a good couple is dirty bowling. When Bill passes a driving test and they go bowling and they talk about their past relationship. Well, sorry, not past the early years and, and how they were kind of young and happy and all, all, all the, the sort of nostalgia of their early years. That's that. really nice. I love it. And I think this episode just expands it further. Yeah, it's a sweet, it's a sweet episode, that love and marriage one when they're going bowling. Oh, is it dirty bowling, isn't it? Is it dirty, dirty bowling? bowling? Yeah, dirty bowling, yeah. yeah. She has all your old, all your own iron in forever. It's great. Again, that's those lines and the way they tease each other. You can just see that they're right for each other, really, at the heart yeah. of it, they're right for each other. Now, just to go on a quick aside, I think the modern equivalent of her ringing the Elvis show phone in would be today a Facebook group for their local area. So it'd be like Chepstow Road residents or Chepstow Road um, watchers, like a, a WhatsApp group for the Chepstow Road people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, miss, I had to, do you know what? I had to mute my um, Facebook local, my local air Facebook group because it was just, it's 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 mainly local do-gooders complaining about the area, mostly people that they don't know going, oh, you know, our local area is being taken, you know, people who we don't know are coming into our local area. It'd be like Mrs. Grimes using it. She's the type of person who would put her name at the end of every Facebook status. 
or the or the neighborhood the neighborhood watch meetings uh, Victor Meldrew has maybe yes or Miss <laughs> yeah. Grimes if she did a fo- profile photo she'd filter it forever <laughs> yeah I think she'd get on well with Victor <laughs> oh god definitely and so we're in the early hours of the morning now and they're playing cards um and again they have kind of a bit of a, a kind of tender moments and and joke around saying that Ben owes a six thousand pounds bar of winning the cards, so he says, "Oh, can I give that to you in sex and stuff?" You know, so it's quite a, 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 a bit, yeah, a bit playful. And also, it's nice to know after all those years that part of their relationship is still fresh. Yeah. And then, um, really, really another dark moment. So we've seen Bill's dark comment about the dream, and then Ben saying, "You know what? I've never got over that man who shot John John Lennon. It's tragic. Yeah. Why couldn't he have shot Oko?" Yeah, I know. I was, I was thinking. Because I'll be honest, I didn't really know who, who he was. Uh, I knew who Jim Lennon was, but not the other guy. And um, but even even me, I just thought, oh god, that must be quite shocking. You know, why could he have shot somebody else? It's quite, it's quite dark. And I, I did a bit of research afterwards. I was thinking, oh god. Um, but yeah, it is. It's uh, it tests the waters, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I've never heard people. I've never heard someone say they wish Joko was shot. But I've heard sim. I've had similar conversations with people, not myself personally, but other people who say how much they don't like Joko. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's very unpopular, um, like yeah. really unpopular. All right. Um, I didn't know much about her, actually. So basically, from what I can gather, John Lennon's a member of the Beatles. And one of the reasons that they broke up was because Yoko Ono, basically, I think she they met and people blame her for the breakup of the Beatles, partly because she kind of got him into sort of alternative sort of ways of life. And, you know, because right. he, he, he was into kind of, peace and stuff like that um right. so people have never liked her very much um i mean i feel sorry for her because she actually was with him when he was shot she he, she didn't get killed but he, she was with him when when he was shot but a lot of people like I said, i've had a lot of conversations people over the years who say oh i don't like that yoko oh no so it's quite funny and then when ben says you know if he was still around now he'd have made up with cynthia and paul you know paul mccartney and i think cynthia lennon is his mother and then he's got some proper rock because I think he did go off and and make music that was a bit more about peace and and love and stuff and and he did imagine and, and stuff like that. Right. But I love the way that Bill says that's the most evil thing I've ever heard. I'm thinking after your dream you've had before about your kids and slicing up Prince Philip. So. <laughs> it's not fine with the talk issue. <laughs> but you know what? I can see why David's so morbid. Yes, you can see where he gets it from, can't you? Because they're both quite dark in their own ways, aren't they? So you can kind of see where it's coming from. It trickles down, doesn't it? I think kind of Jenny getting stressed and moody and David getting quite gruesome and gory. I think you can see that it kind of stems from all the very loving parents, of course. It can, you can see where it kind of comes from. But what <laughs> makes me laugh is, remember in the parents' evening in yeah. series two, when um, he's read, she's reading out all these gruesome stories that David's writing and and um, they, they Ben was going to bring back, like, terminator 2 and other violent videos it's like well he doesn't get it from me i'm just thinking well maybe i think they, i think you're both equally responsible yeah. for his interests i think maybe i think maybe he does bill <laughs> and it's uh it is very funny and they're very playful again um again when she they're like you know she goes and sits on his lap and they really cozy and cuddly and this next bit made me actually quite feel quite sad partly because of context outside the episode she said, this is the longest time they've ha- we've had since the-, the kids were born. We'll have more of these, won't we, is what Ben says. And I'm thinking, oh, sad. 
It is sad, isn't it? Yeah. And there's a lot of that in this episode. There's a lot of kind of up and down roller coaster kind of feelings, isn't there? Because you get a lot of kind of, oh, that's sad. You go, oh, that's a bit dark. And oh, that's really funny. You know, it's, it takes you on such a journey, this episode, I think. It's very sad because obviously I know we never went beyond um, the Series 8 when Garrison died in real life. There was never an episode that we saw if that reflected. So in the world of 2.4 children, Ben could be still around. But it goes yeah. to, but it really goes to show, you know, how couples are you know, close and everyone has a history, everyone has, uh, you know, long-term relationships happen that are lovely, but, you know, the reality is one of us is going to die eventually first. That's the sad reality. It is sad, and I think there's actually a line in um, season one which I find quite sad because Gary Olsen says it's when Beck comes, I think it's David or Jenny's bed, um, and he says, when I grow old, I'm going to be really weird. And yes. watching that now, knowing that he's not around, it is kind of... Obviously, if you watched it then, it would be that'd be a funny joke. But now, you, now you think it's a different angle. You kind of think, oh, that's actually genuinely quite sad. Yeah, there's a few things like that, and it, it's just it's all obviously it's just coincidental, and, and um, just goes to show how short our lives are and how we have to enjoy them. And I, I think, you know, this show really has got such amazing humour to it and realism, yeah. and that's why I think it's so much above so many sitcoms that people that yeah. rate higher, but it doesn't deserve it. They decide yeah. to go back to bed and David comes down and, and you know, he's obviously had that commotion of go, go and brush your teeth. And, you know, the, the, when Bell, uh, Bill's like, oh, it's a new day. And then there's the door still slamming and David just comes down and, and Ben's like, oh, it's too good to last. Everything. Contrast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love when they're going up the stairs and there's a news bulletin about the two engineers for a 24 hour repair company were besieged in their car by a ramping mob of Elvis lovers, you know, and you just think, oh no, that's, there's two nasty twists to the end of this episode. Yeah. You have that happen. And they, I love the way that they just look out into the audience, you know, when the news report is going on and they're just like, oh, let's sleep. Yeah. Try and not think about this. They're cuddling in bed and, and then Jenny kind of pops ahead. And Jenny's only in it for like a, a, a few seconds. It's a very short appearance. It's it's unusual, isn't it, to see, see Jenny not being in it hardly at all in this episode, isn't it? Because you're that used to kind of Jenny and David being there um, this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably the first episode when she's not in it that much. I think there's only maybe a couple of the later ones when she's at uni when she's not in it at all or in yeah. it very little. But yeah, this early on, it's quite unusual for Jenny not to be in it, I think. Definitely. And so sort of it's just yeah, I think it reaffirms that you know it's, it's morning time they're both getting up uh, well the kids are getting up and then they're going back to sleep and then this leads to the, lovely to the cliff to the sort of big twist in the tail yes the swinging dials go from their bed and I love how it kind of pans from their exterior of the house to the Grimeses and you see that the Grimeses are in their living room and they've they're tied up Dora's tied to a chair gagged and 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 Mr. Grimes is on the floor and bless him, he's using his nose to <laughs> dial the numbers, which he's done so many times over the last 12 hours. Yeah. And then it's just like, Bill's going, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, sod off. You know, and you just think, oh my God, how long do you think they were in there for? Before I they were found? I dread to think, but you know, if I was them, I would move. I'd move away from the porters. They bring nothing but heartache into their lives. They bring fires, dead goldfish, dead dogs, cats on the floorboards. They leave them for dead. <laughs> they break into the house. And just, <laughs> and, and just to think, if that black back door had been unlocked, they'd have been able to get in and find them. Yeah. So it goes to show what I love about this episode of the way it's been so tightly plotted is nothing 
everything that's mentioned comes back around at some point. Every potential about 24-hour repairman and the Elvis the Elvis reference and you know the that the dummies being tied up and the fact is we know that the two men that Bill saw were robbers. Yeah. And actually the mob beating them up, they actually got their comeuppance in the in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, it, there's no plot hole in it. No, there's not. There's not. It doesn't matter how you, how you look at it. It's so well written. And the attention to detail is absolutely fantastic. And that payoff at the end is brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic. Because everything what 2.4 children is about, you know, you've got you've got funniness, you've got re, you've got reality there. You've got a bit of terror, a bit of darkness. You know, you've got all these mixture of comedy and tragedy and stuff perfectly fused together. Um, it's just the perfect cocktail of, of 2.4. And a few other things I noticed in it, um, sort of de mini details. Um, I found because of most of it's set at night and they don't have the sort of, well, I say the outdoor lights, obviously studio lights outside the windows of the studio yeah. set. But by having it a bit darker, you've got um, a lived-in house. You really see how lived-in that house is. It feels like a normal house. Things like the details, like the blanket on the sofa, the Spider-Man, Batman and skeleton figurines videos stereo and also yeah. the kitchen cupboards in uh, you know that they sort of it looks like a bit of a pale um door and then the, the handle is one of those long handles not like a you know there's long handles which you can grab at any moment yeah. like oak brown dark brown oak i think my grandparents had that they had it up until yeah. about a few years ago when they they changed it and also the coffee table they're playing the cards on Yes. That was something that I think, I, I don't know if, I think my grandparents had something like that, but it's it's just um, these details and thinking, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that just plays into that kind of whole flavour of nostalgia. And that's what's kind of fun that you can draw from it, watching it now that, oh, I had that in the 90s. And it's such like a, a strong time for identity, I think, of fashion and stuff and how things look. Everything's got a very 90s feel. Um, and I think that's great. And I think I think with, two, with this two book for children, I think, it shows that because you get some people might say that it's of its time or it's dated, but I, I probably disagree with that in that sense, because I think it's still incredibly funny. It's still incredibly relevant. Now I watched that and I thought it was brilliant. You know, I said, I don't really feel it's dated at all. And I think only perhaps in terms of decor and stuff, but then that's part of the fun anyway. But yeah. More dated than faulty towers, which is very dated. If you look at the, the sort of the people in it and the way they talk, but the, the farcical elements, I think fast age as well. And capers, yeah age well yeah. i mean do you think have you ever seen some like it hot i've heard of it but i've not seen it actually really classic 50s comedy american comedy with marilyn monroe tony curtis and jack lemon basically they're two guys who witnessed the saint valentine's day massacre in chicago which is a real crime yeah. and they escape being killed by the mafia by dressing up as women and joining a an all-female music band they're musicians and they go to a, a holiday place to perform but they both fall in love with marilyn monroe and it is an absolute it's a classic it's one of the considered one of the best films ever and it's so funny i've seen it over the years many times and it's brilliant but it shows oh i'd highly recommend it it's genuinely it's aged so well it's really good and you the thing <laughs> i will do yes and the thing is it, you know as I say, if, if it's still funny, it's the main that's the main thing. And and it's and it's still well written and it's better it written than most comedies that are now. Another thing I noticed was that it's referenced again in um series six episode Lady Vanishes, when um obviously Mrs. Crudal next door, they think that a vampire's moved in. And then when they're going over to her garden and 
Ben says to Bill, oh, you know, remember that time we thought Mr. Grimes's were being robbed? She went, that's completely different. We were just being stupid. And then when they crash into their window, you know, what makes me laugh is they've now crashed into the back window and the back and the back sort of area of both houses on either side of them. And I know just before they, the episode ends, um, she mentions, Bill, Bill mentions to Ben, you know, we're going to have to do something about next door's glass. And he mentions about the double glazing of his friend. And obviously in, in Lady Vanishes, he, he builds the wall up again. So they're just, they're just a nightmare, aren't they? <laughs> they're a nightmare, yeah. They never live next door to the porters. You know, no. I think that's... You got any final points of this episode? I just love it. I think it's one of the funniest episodes. It's it's everything that 2.4 Children is. I think it represents it so well. And my favourite is season three to five, because I think they're just so funny and so dark. And that balance of peculiar, weird surrealness and darkness and funniness is all kind of balanced perfectly. And I think this episode shows that off brilliantly. And I think it also kind of getting just Bill and Ben having their own kind of two-hander episode thing really kind of get an exploration of characters their past and it's just a really interesting funny episode fantastic so would you say it's one of your i mean you meant touched on this earlier is it probably one of your favorite episodes definitely absolutely yeah it's just it's so funny it's so dark it's it's so sweet as well um it's, it's great yeah it's got all it ticks all the boxes and i think i can guess what star you'll give it out of five it's got to be a five. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving this one a five. I think it's it's one of those when I watched, I've, I've seen it so many times over the years. But even again, because I'm watching it for the podcast, I'm watching it with a lot more concentration about making, yeah. just seeing how it all flows, how it's written and, and seeing is, is everything kind of mentioned and stuff. You know, is, yeah. is there any, because things like this, when it's something that's quite, um, like I say, a bit of a farce, it's, very easy for potentially to have for there to be potholes but there isn't it's everything is is that everything that happens is just pure bad luck and it's so it's so tightly written so yeah 100 percent five stars out of five stars and wonderful <laughs> character stuff I, I yeah i i adore this episode and uh yeah it's really it's, really good it's a classic 2.4 and and another episode that i think yeah if you think it's a my family clone or a, a precursor to my family watch this episode i don't think you'll yeah. think you'll yeah. disagree <laughs> and i think it's always a credit for to, to it always shows good writing and good acting when you can just be in one location for the whole 30 minutes because that's not easy and that takes good acting and good writing to do that and again one foot in the grave does it really well when they're stuck in the traffic jam or they're going to bed at night it's just him and victor and they have that melancholy moment of talking about the sun and stuff or, or, the, or the child that they didn't have um, and it's just great just fantastic writing and fantastic acting to be able to have 30 minutes in the exact same location without changing to off location stuff on location rather um and still be really funny and still be one of the best episodes and i think it's just a credit to the writers and actors it's 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 i don't think i've seen anything quite like it since really um yeah. from that era they were more experimenting in the 90s sitcoms with you say bottle episodes and more one location storylines and credit to to those amazing writers and and thank you so much chris i enjoyed having you on again we have you booked in again for the future we've got you on for babes in the wood the christmas special so we'll be I, booking love that episode. I watch it every christmas <laughs> same here <laughs> thank you so much chris and um where can people find you you can find me on facebook yeah just type in chris nichols add me as a friend or you can also find me on the 2.4 children dvd campaign page which me and uh, jd and david all all run so yeah join me on them or follow me on Instagram. I think it's Chris C. Nichols. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much. Next week, we were going to on Badger's Bend, which is a very dark episode, bringing in the Don't Go Maya scene for the first time. We've got a brand new guest called Matthew on there. So until then, if you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, 
This is the At 2.4 podcast. And as Chris said, we're on the 2.4 DVD and streaming campaign page. We have loads of memes and loads of opportunities to meet other 2.4 children fans. Till next week, thank you very much for listening and make sure you lock your doors at night. Bye. <laughs>